0: Welcome to everyone this evening, and especially if you're a guest with us this evening, we welcome you as a part of our Thursday evening service, those of you that are joining online. I know we've got several folks that are not feeling well that are joining us from home, so welcome you as a part of this service this evening. I want to. I want to just as an intro, just refresh you, and, and again, I'm encouraging you. Uh, I I still struggle doing this, but I'm encouraging you. Uh, if you've missed the last two Thursday nights of teaching, again, last week was um, Oikos night. I, I'm encouraging you. I've I i do not If I based what I did all the all the time off of feedback, I'd be in big trouble. Um, but I've gotten some very positive feedback from these two Thursday nights so far, and uh, so I I, I would encourage you. But just as a quick refresher, uh, I want to read some verses to you from Romans 7, and I'm going to read them for the sake of time. Instead of reading multiple translations, I'm just going to read it to you from the Passion Translation, and um, we're going to go from there. So what shall we say about all this? Am I suggesting that the law is sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was, you know, let's do this differently. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray and then let you sit down because I'm not feeling a stopping point in the reading. So I know you don't want to stand with me the whole evening. Father, thank you for this opportunity this evening. God, I pray again tonight, Lord, I have no desire to simply just stand up here and speak words to fill time in this service. I want to be a conduit. I want to be a channel through which your spirit can flow, through which you can speak. God, I pray for every individual in this place tonight, everyone watching, everyone that will watch, that you would let their hearts be good ground for the seed of your word, that it might produce what you intend for it to produce in our lives. God, give us ears to hear. Get, let there be revelation and understanding that would rest upon our minds, that would settle in our hearts and our spirits. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So what shall we say about all this? Am I suggesting that the law is sinful? Of course not. In fact... It was the law that gave us the clear definition of sin. For example, when the law said, do not covet, it became the catalyst to see how wrong it was for me to crave what belongs to someone else. It was through God's commandment that sin was awakened in me and built its base of operation within me to stir up every kind of wrong desire, For in the absence of the law sin hides dormant. In the absence of the law sin hides dormant. I once lived without a clear understanding of the law. Most of you didn't grow up in church and even those of us that grew up in church we, we, we weren't living the way we should live from the time we were born. So it's Some point, for some amount of time, we have all lived without a clear understanding of the law. But when I heard God's commandments, sin sprang to life and brought with it a death sentence. The commandment that was intended to bring life brought me death instead. Now, the bottom line is, and you can read other places where Paul says this, I, I, we were already, if you were in sin, you were dead. You were dead in sin. Sin by means of the commandment built a base of operation within me to overpower me and to put me to death. So then we have to conclude that the problem is not the law with it, law was not with the law itself. For the law is holy, and its commandments are correct and for our good. I, 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 I'm not only in the past, but especially these last couple of weeks as I've been studying these verses, teaching these verses. I've, I've been still kind of wrestling. I, I, I don't ever. It's my goal, and and I appreciate some feedback I've received at times through the years. It is not my. It is my goal to be a, for for my ministry, teaching, preaching, whatever, to be applicable. I don't mean, I didn't say relevant in the sense of what you want, but applicable. Because I've sat times, as perhaps you have, and heard people teach and preach. And I'm like, man, that's deep, that's powerful, but I have no idea how it applies. It's a great thought. It's, it's I mean, it sounds like it's all right, but what do I do with it? So my desire is you to be able to do something with it. And, and so I've, I've wrestled with what does what these verses here mean? What, what is this idea about you know, before the law and after the law and what the law awakened and what was... And it, and it, and it, it came to me today, I, I think you could use the idea of, of, a, of a child in its infancy and growing up. There is nothing in the world more precious and more innocent than a, than a newborn, and 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 even into the beginning months of life, it's one of the, it's one of the most wonderful things. I, I don't I don't I, I guess I get it from my mother. Uh, if you those of you that haven't been around here a long time. You see me interacting with babies and and little ones that's that's nothing new as a as a teenager I would hold babies and find babies i've just always loved i've always loved children and and so there there's just one of the most wonderful things in the world is 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 a child it's a it's a especially those little ones that are you know, newborn or not newborns, but a couple months in and they're starting to give you that smile you work sometimes you gotta work really hard, but you get that smile and it just But but something changes. I, I read this today, found this today. Some of you'll appreciate this. Yeah, there's nothing worse than the terrible twos except troublesome tree threes. And the frightful fours and the frustrating fives and the shocking sixes and the severe sevens and the exasperating eights, the nasty nines, the traumatic tens, the enraging elevens, tyrannical twelves and teenagers. <laughs> now I gotta tell you, and especially my experience as a dad, having kids has been a wonderful thing, and uh, I'm thankful, I, I, I really, I sort of get angry with those people that think that all teenagers just lose their minds and go off the deep ends, I, and, and if that's your, if you got small kids and that's your expectation for what you're, then don't be surprised when they do that. So I, I, I don't, I, I'm using this out of humor, I don't agree with this, but, but we, I, it all started, I found this because I was just doing a quick, I know the gist of it, but but, the terrible two, we all hear about the terrible twos. And and I realize, and, and if you study this, and even a few things I quickly read today, a couple of articles, only a line, or not really anything in depth, because I I, I wasn't trying to give you some uh, thesis here this evening. But, but in essence, here and in the context of what Paul's talking about with the law, and and what I was like before the law, and what I'm at like after the law. I, in essence, it's I, I think kind of at the root of what happens in the terrible twos, is all of a sudden, not necessarily all of a sudden, but you're beginning to realize more and more the world does not revolve around me. Because for a I mean, a year, maybe even more. The world revolves around you. Cry, and everything stops. What's wrong? Are they are they hungry? Are they not feeling? Are they in pain? Do they have a dirty diaper? Everything revolves around stopping the cry. And how do you stop the crying of a child by pleasing it? But now, all of a sudden, my world begins to change because you're now introducing me to this idea that I can't have everything. And I don't get everything I want. And I can't touch everything I see. And I. So I think that's kind of part of the terrible twos. I'm now introduced to this word, this two letter word. This curse word for toddlers? No. What? No. You've spent twelve, eighteen months. Yes, 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 yes. Now you're. Now there's something that's been awakened. I think that's that's kind of in essence what Paul is. I live whatever amount of my life. As I pleased, that's why not not every unsaved person is a tyrant. Not every sinner is is rude and mean. And I, I've met some people that were not saved that were very kind people. Why? Because there there wasn't a law at work trying to make them more like Jesus. But the other part of that is. As humans, what love do we exchange? It's the he, what's the Greek word? Anybody? We may need to do a little more, you know, interaction on Thursdays, because I heard somebody say it. Filio is, is in essence, the, the height of human love, but Filio is, is pretty much 50-50. I love you as long as I'm getting something in return. I love you as long as you're treat. I treat you good, you treat me good. I treat you good, you treat me bad. Mm. I keep treating you good, you keep treating me bad, I'm done. But then the law says... Now, I know some of you, if you want to argue what I'm about to say, then you're missing my point. I... I, I, I feel so weary of feeling like you have to defend every... I'm not talking about crazy stuff. It feels like nowadays you got to defend every little statement. So I realize this is not necessarily a law written, all that to get to this point. But, but, but in, in, in the context of what Paul is saying, that now all of a sudden you're, you're, the law is awakened and the law says, turn the other cheek. The law says forgive seventy times seven. So you've lived life, maybe being a nice, kind person because you weren't living based on the law of God. You were living based. I mean, we we go to what Paul says that that even the 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 Greeks right use the word Greek or Gentiles. I think it's the even the Greeks without the law have something inside of them guiding them. But it's just that's just human, you know, hey, I'm nice to you, you're nice to me. I mean, you, you watch it, you see it all the time, where you see people interacting, and as long as the interaction is positive between them, everything's great, but the moment one turns, that ought not to be the case with children of God. It's not tit for tat. I'm not just loving you as long as you're loving me and then you start mistreating Well, I'm done with you. Seventy times seven. Turn the other cheek. So Paul says, I I was living, but the law was not alive. I didn't didn't know the law. And now all of a sudden, the law is awakened in me and, and now there is this fight. Now there's this conflict. That's why I, I'm, I, I, I grew up in church, and obviously I haven't done it all perfectly, haven't done it all right, but this is, I've, this is all I've known all my life. But some of you, if you, were, if you were to be truly honest and not just try to be impressing everybody, you would probably have to admit at times living for God has been a little more hard than it was before you lived for God. Absolutely. Because before you, before you were born again and committed your life to Jesus Christ, you did whatever you wanted to do, whatever pleased you. Now that doesn't work anymore. Now I've got this whole other side, this whole other thing in me that has now come alive. So did something meant to be good become death to me? This starting to tell your child no, is that a bad thing to them? Of course not. Because part of the reason you're telling them no is because you know they need to learn that word because right now it may be no to touching the whatever that's sitting on the table but in the future it may need to be, you need to learn how to accept the no because it may be some kind of life threatening or dangerous situation that the consequences Of course what is we it is it's amazing you watch it from the, from infancy, or more so toddler, toddlerhood, is that what it? The moment you say no to something, that is the only thing in the world they want. Isn't it amazing that within the life of, of, a, of a, a human being that has no ability to communicate yet, to express themselves by verbally, and, and, and they can't read, they can't write, they, they don't know all the, the evils of the world, but all they know is the moment you say, no, that's what I want. Is that a bad thing? Obviously not. So is it a bad thing that the law awakens something in us? Because the bottom line is, even though Paul says, I was living, I was not really living. (laughs) You're not really living until you get born again. I don't care if that happens at five years old or 55 or 95. You haven't truly started living until you've been born again. So did something meant to be good become death to me? Certainly not. It was not the law, but sin unmasked that produced my spiritual death. The problem was sin was there all along. It was just dormant. It was there, but now the law uncovers it. The sacred commandment merely uncovered the evil of sin so it could be seen for what it is. For we know that the law is divinely inspired and comes from the spiritual realm. But I am a human being made of flesh and trafficked as a slave under sin's authority. Can you imagine what would happen if the world woke up and really believed that statement right there? All of these things you're doing, fighting for, living for, you are actually the slave of it. I'm a mystery to myself. I want to do what is right, but end up doing what my moral instincts condemn. And if my behavior is not in line with my desire, my conscience still confirms the excellence of the law. So my behavior still does what it wants to do, but there's this nagging thing inside of me that doesn't let me fully enjoy it. And one of the worst things that can ever happen is in your life is to reach the place where you get that voice to be silent. That's right. That's right. Worst thing. Worst. That's one of the. That's one of the tragic things that happens when a backslider, when a child of God decides to walk away from God. There is relief. But it's not the right kind of relief. It's a, it's, a, it's a such a sad, dangerous thing when we persist ignoring our conscience and the voice of God so much that it becomes quieter and quieter. The bottom line is it starts off quiet. Our conscience doesn't beat the door down of our of our minds, our spirits, our hearts. It's, it begins, but it we can we can ignore it so much that it becomes quieter and quieter. And now I realize that it is no longer my true self doing it, but the unwelcome intruder of sin in my humanity. For I know that nothing good lives within the flesh of my fallen humanity. I. Touched on that a little bit more the first night. I'm not going to spend much time on it, but, but do, do I really believe? Do you really believe? Do you really? Do we? I mean, do we really believe that statement there? Nothing good lives within the flesh of my fallen humanity. There may be a few of you here this evening that there's no argument in you over that. But I'm just going to tell you, there's a bunch of us that there's something that still wants to rise up and say, I I got some good stuff in me. I got some. Paul, the Apostle Paul says, in me there is no good thing. The longings to do what is right are within me, but the willpower is not enough to accomplish it. I want to do what I'm, I want to live right. I want to do right. I want to, I want to obey the word of God. I want to be submitted to God. I want to be submitted to God's will for my life. That, I I want all of those things, but I can't just will myself to do it. Why? Because there's this battle that's raging that cannot be won through willpower. We're not talking about some mental ascent here. The Lord willing, I don't know how much I'll go beyond next week, but I, I I do feel like one more Thursday and 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 next Thursday is kind of kind of be more so focused on the the victorious side of this. Again, please hear me. Part of the part of the burden of this teaching the last several weeks is for you and I to to accept the fact. There is a battle that is in us and will always be in us. And because that battle is there doesn't make us bad Christians, bad disciples, bad saints. My lofty desires to do what is good are dashed when I do the things I want to avoid. So if my behavior contradicts my desires to do good, I must conclude that it's not my true identity doing it, but the unwelcome intruder of my of sin hindering me from being who I really am. Again, I said it two weeks ago. That, that, that right there, if you, if you want to twist it, can become such a great excuse. Become a cop-out. Well, I, I can't help it. That, that's not what Paul was saying. He, he was... He was being real, and I think trying to get us to be real. Through my experience of this principle, I discover that even when I want to do good, evil is ready to sabotage me. Truly, deep within my true identity, I love to do what pleases God. Is anybody here tonight can attest to the fact when, when, you, when you do those things that you know God wants you to do, when you, whether that's ministry or just day-to-day, that, that, man, there's just something so rewarding and satisfying about that. I love to do what pleases God, but I discern another power in my humanity waging a war against the moral principles of my conscience and bringing me into captivity as a prisoner to the law of sin. This unwelcome intruder in my humanity. What an agonizing situation I am in. <laughs> Amen. So... Who has the power to rescue this miserable man from the unwelcome intruder of sin and death? I give all my thanks to God for His mighty power has finally provided a way out through our Lord Jesus the anointed one so if left to myself the flesh is aligned with the law of sin but now my renewed mind is fixed on and submitted to God's righteous principles here's the deal and here's the thing that balances out what Paul is saying so that you can't use it as an excuse because in light of everything Paul says in this conflict that's going on and is going to continue to go on until you die or you are raptured the flip side of the of the coin is everything necessary to overcome the law of sin and what sin is trying to do has all been provided. So therefore, if I choose to live on the side of continuing to do what I shouldn't do, then I have to be negating the power and the grace and the things that have been provided for me, the things that are operating and working in me. So, so here, here's, here's the challenge of all of this, or part of the, not the challenge, but a part of the challenge of, of this conflict. It goes to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 and 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last man, the last Adam, was, a, was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit, that was not first. Look, look at this. Howbeit, I'm going to read the, uh, I think the Amplified, another translation in just a moment. But, but, howbeit, that was not first, which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Which came first, the natural or the spiritual? It's clearly stated. The first man, listen to this, listen, and again, I, sometimes I know the King James can be a little hard to follow, but we'll, we'll, we'll help you out in a second. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earth, earthy, as is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is, as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have been, as we have born the image of the earthy, as we have, past tense, born the image of the earthy, now shall, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Past tense, the earthy, future tense, the heavenly. Here, here's the deal. We are living in transition. Really, life is one long transition. I I I can think back to uh, especially kind of the time frame when I was ordained as co-pastor in uh, 1998. bit that was when Bishop was ordained Bishop, and and his title at that point was Senior Pastor slash Bishop. How many of you ever remember hearing that Senior Pastors? And 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 so it it ended up. I, I was ordained as co-pastor in '98. Uh, I was ordained as senior pastor in 2005. But you know, the, there was the, there was uh, really up until that time. I I became senior pastor. I thought I was living in a transition that was going to be completed when I became senior pastor. What I had no idea was. Basically, even before I became senior pastor, the next transition was already happening, and and, and that's life. <laughs> life is transition. In some ways, you could say it's transition after transition after, or you can just say it's just one big transition. And and so. Hear me tonight. Your walk with God is one long transition. I got good news for you. Hear me. I got good news for you. You will not arrive in this life. You will never, you can never achieve The final spiritual destination that God has called you to in this life. I said it, it's good news. It's good news because many of us live under a pressure that we should have arrived by now. No, are you where you're supposed to be in the transition and are you still transitioning? The issue is when you stop growing and transitioning. The issue is not that you still got some of that earthy in you while you're still trying to become that heavenly. That's not the problem. As long as you are transitioning from the earthy to the heavenly. So let me read the Amplified Bible to you, verse 45, thus it is written, the first man Adam became a living being, an individual personality, the last Adam, Christ, became a life-giving spirit, restoring the dead to life. But it is not the spiritual life which came first, but the physical and then the spiritual. So whether you got the Holy Ghost when you were a child or more so, many of us, even if we got the Holy Ghost as a child, it really wasn't until our adult years that we started understanding and comprehending. So we started off in the flesh. We spend all of our years developing and growing and learning how to do it in the flesh. And then at whatever point we're born again, whoa, I'm not trying to live according to the flesh anymore. I'm now trying to live. The problem is this, that old man doesn't like to die. You can kill him every day, but he's, gonna, he's got more than nine lives. I I I I'm not the only one I know here that's experienced it. Cut down an entire tree. I mean a tree, tree. I don't mean a I don't mean a twig. I mean cut down a tree. It's nothing but a stump. Come back months later, and there's now sprouts. We got a stump in the backyard. I cut down the the holly tree. Cut it down a couple of years ago. And you can't even now see the stump anymore because there's all these fresh growth around it. That's that old man. He's always trying to get... You can bury him alive. You're going to bury him alive tomorrow. The physical, then the spiritual. The first man was from out of earth, made of... Dust, earthly-minded. The second man is the Lord out of heaven. Now those who are made of the dust are like him who was first made of the dust. Look at this. Earthly-minded. Our original nature is earthly-minded. I think we could say it this way. Worldly-minded, carnally-minded. That's the first, That's what we were. That's what we, that's what we were born with. And as is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven, heavenly minded. And just as we have born, have born, past tense, the image of the man of dust, so shall we. Not so have we. We have borne the image of the earthly, the man of dust, but we will bear the image of the man of heaven. So I am transitioning throughout this life from the, the earthly-minded man to the heavenly-minded man. The psalmist said it this way in response to his sin with Bathsheba and his rebuke by the prophet Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. That was—he was not saying that to be an excuse or a cop out. Well, what else can you expect from me, God? He wasn't saying that as with a victim mentality. He was stating that as an acknowledgement of the facts. This was what I was born into. This is what I was born with. I may have covered it up in cute innocence for 18 months, but it was there all along. We have born the earthly. We've born the image. We shall. I've already used these verses, referenced these verses in this series. I referenced them every now and then there's some of my favorite it doth not yet appear what we shall be if where you are right now unless you're about to I don't mean this facetiously or whatever unless you're about to die tonight if you think you are everything you're going to be you you have missed the boat i don't know about you The way I think about it or the way I feel about it is this, God, if this is it, if I have arrived, if this is the close I'm getting, this is, it, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like. God, if there's not more than this, I'm, I'm very disappointed I, the, the, the problem is, and is I guess is part of the what birth this series I guess. The problem is the enemy and, and ultimately we let him really. But the enemy constantly tries to produce guilt and condemnation because of this battle that's going on. If you were really saved, if you were really called if you really were what you say you are if you really were who you say you are you would not be now what paul said i shared this with you the couple of days ago on realm but this is only a portion of it i pulled out but charles spurgeon says these two opposing natures the the, the fleshly nature and the spiritual nature These two opposing natures will never cease to struggle so long as we are in this world. I I know I'm kind of hammering that point, but I just feel like some of you are still like, "Yeah, I don't know, I think I'm going to get... No, you're not. Part of the problem with some kind of delusion that you're going to get there is the longer it goes that you don't get there, the more you're going to despair. So why am I going to keep doing this? I'm not... Because you're not going to get there. The battle of... This is referencing uh, Pilgrim's Progress, if you're not familiar with the terms here. But the battle of Christian with Apollyon lasted three hours, but the battle of Christian with himself lasted all the way from the wicked gate... In the river Jordan, the enemy is so securely entrenched within us that he can never be driven out while we are in this body. But although we are closely beset and often in sore conflict, here it is, the other side of that coin, we have an almighty helper, even Jesus, the captain of our salvation who is ever with us and who assumes us and assures us that we shall eventually come off more than conquerors through him. If I will stay in the process, if I won't reject the law, if I won't reject what the Spirit is doing and trying to do in me, I'm going to get there. I am not there. I will not be there in this life, but I'm going to get there. Every man that hath this hope in himself purifieth himself even as he is pure. What John was saying was there's something down inside of me that if I will let it work, it will produce what it's trying to produce. If I will let what's inside of me, I that that I'm gonna, I may get touch on that word a little bit next week. I've touched on it a little bit already, but you find the word let. A number of times in the context of what I'm talking to you about, you've got to let it work. You've got to let the Spirit work. You've got to let the grace of God work. Everything that you and I need to conquer is there, but it's a constant battle. So here is, here's that other, and this, this ties in with this idea that we were of the earth Earthy first. I know most of you are familiar with this word, but the word default, according to Webster's, means to make a selection automatically. Catch this next part in the absence of a choice made by the user. It's to make a selection automatically in the absence of the of a choice made by the user. My wife's car has a I'm sure others of you have something similar, but her car has a a knob that you can change the the type of of ride. It's probably not the right term. The default when you get in it is normal. There's comfort, there's performance or something. There's a default. It goes to its default. The problem is you and I have a default. That in the absence of a choice made by the user, we go to our default. Went to the funeral of Sister Jane Bishop's mother yesterday, and and uh, got back mid afternoon from that, and sat down in the, the family room for a minute, and, and I was torn between a nap and the why. And I told my wife, if I don't get up now, I'm going to (laughs) default. I didn't say it that way. I'm saying it that way tonight. Because my default was going to be kick my feet up. We had been at the funeral. We had had a good lunch. Kind of felt like a Sunday, sort of, you know, going to to church. (laughs) And then eating, it kind of felt like, you know, what do you do after, I mean, what's the best thing to do on a Sunday afternoon after you've had your lunch? I, the, the problem is, folks, our default, you never reach the place where your default is the spiritual man. In the absence of a choice, you will always default to the natural. And some of you don't understand what's going on, but the problem is you're just defaulting. Because while God puts within us everything necessary to produce victory and life. And while he gives us and makes available all that is necessary to be an overcomer, I have to let it work. But if I am not choosing to let it work, I'm going to my default. You will never default to prayer, you will never default. To your Bible oh you 'll start to default to the movies and the series and the videos you love to watch that 's adding to all of the carnality and causing the natural man to become obese I, I know forgive me i don 't mean to harp on it, but again i i 've always used examples natural examples and and it it just I know i 've used this one before, but you you you, you work and work and work and work and work and work and work to try to get in some kind of shape, some kind of physical conditioning. It would be absolutely a wonderful thing if whatever point you reached of, of physical conditioning, of, of whatever point you reached of building Muscle and 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 stamina. It, it, it would be so awesome if at least whatever you reached, that was that from that from that point on, that was at least where you were. Doesn't work that way. You know what? In some ways, I i think I think our I think our I'm not trying to be negative in whatever here I'm trying to be real and again i'm 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 only scratching it tonight, but hopefully next week the Lord will help us with it but every this is not intended to be negative and discouraging because everything needed to overcome is there, but in some ways, living for God is like walking on a, moving walkway, anybody ever been in uh, airports is where you see them the most moving walkway, it's, if, you don't, if you've never seen one, it's basically a flat escalator and so you know, you, you, can, you can use them sort of one or two ways when you're heading to your destination you can get on them and just take a break and stand there and let it take you or what I like to do is get on there and walk because then there's all these people walking, man, you're just blowing by them, it's like you're on air And you know what? Living for God is like living on a walkway. Yeah. Except it's going the wrong way. I don't mean you're living on, that's heaven. Boy, we are just smooth. No, that's heaven and the walkway is going this way. And as long as I am moving forward at least a little bit faster than it's going, I'm making progress. The problem is the moment I decide I don't feel like doing anything today, I don't feel like pushing today, I'm not stationary, I immediately begin to move backwards. Because there is a man inside of me that is looking for the slightest opportunity to get a breath and start living again. I've told you about this many times, so I thought tonight, instead of just talking about it, I'd show it to you. That's the side of my house, the side of my property I've talked about many times. Underneath of what's there are azaleas. Underneath of what's there are some other shrubs that were intentionally placed there. The problem is that area before we moved in that house had been allowed to go to its default. I noticed this on my. I've noticed in the past, but in light of the message this evening and studying this morning and all of that, when I when I was heading home, or actually I was heading toward Annapolis earlier today, and 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 it just, again I've seen it before, but with all of this on my mind, next time you do it, next time and there's plenty of other. Well, you don't have to just do it where I'm about to say, because there's plenty of places you can see this. But next time you head towards Route 50 and you're starting up Ritchie Highway about to get to the split. Just take a look at the trees and how much vine coverage. We get an email, at least in the four years we've lived in the community, and we just got it a couple of weeks ago. It goes out to the community email list, and basically the email says, it's that time of year to cut back or at least take a chunk out of the ivy that's growing up your tree. I've I've cut ivy, I've had help from others cutting ivy out of my trees and guess what weeks, months later same tree, more ivy because that's the default the default is the carnal man if you do nothing is going to take over Again, please hear me. This is not. If you're listening and let the Lord help you, this is not discouraging. This is. This shouldn't cause despair. But the problem is, if we're not going to approach this real with 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 a, a real perspective, we're, we're we're losing before we even started. Because if we somehow think I'm just going to put this on cruise control and I'm going to coast, and the, no, that that natural man. i 'm not i'm not please hear me i 'm not saying we we, we won't i, I believe i 've had some and I think many of you could testify i 'm not saying we don 't go through seasons where man we that that spiritual man seems to be alive and dominating i 've said it before i 've been through times in my i 've been through seasons in my life where I got in a groove with prayer. I got, in a, I got in a routine with prayer. I'm good prayer. I don't mean just sitting there, you know, our Father who art in heaven. I mean praying. I mean a good spirit of prayer. And man, it, it was going for a couple of weeks, and I'm thinking, I think I, I, th- I think I've finally made it. I think I finally got this prayer thing down. Not that I'm done giving, not, but I think I've. I, I mean, man, I'm going on weeks and weeks of consistent good prayer. I, I think I've made it. Crash, and burn. Prayer? What's that? The extent of my prayer becomes, Lord, thank you for this food, bless it in Jesus' name wait a minute wait a minute oh there's this other there's this other thing that's at work the carnal mind the carnal man is the enemy of God it was the enemy it is the enemy it will be the enemy how many of us here this evening? <laughs> I, again, Thursday night is 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 the, the the committed of the committed most of the time. Not that all those that are not that those that aren't here. There's those that have legitimate reasons can't be here. But but this isn't just the you know the half-hearted people here tonight. You're you're in this. How many of you here tonight? Not not 60 years ago. Some of you not even six minutes ago. You find yourself doing, not just doing something you did before that you know you shouldn't have done, but doing something again you did before that you promised yourself before. I will never do that again. Hence the problem. I We'll never do that again. I am coming up with the willpower that I will never do that again. It can't be done by willpower. You've got to let the Spirit, you've got to let grace, you've got to let it do its work. All the way to the beginning of time, God gave us the picture of what this really was all about the King James, it says that he told Adam to dress and keep the garden. Today's English version says it this way, which is very accurate with the meanings, the Hebrew word of the meaning dress and keep. Then the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to cultivate it and guard it. He gave him two two primary responsibilities. Dress it, keep it. Cultivate it, guard it. Cultivate it, pull the weeds. Put down the fertilizer. Water it on the days that it's not raining and it needs water. Nurture it. That, That word dress can also mean nurture. And then he says, "Keep it, guard it, protect it." That that could be protecting it from from the uh, from disease that may come and try to eat it up. I went. Uh, he's not able to be here this evening, but shout out to him anyway, brother Alan McGuckin met me at Home Depot this morning to help get some uh, plants to go out back as we continue trying to spruce it up. And and there was. Uh, and, and actually, side note, he was supposed to meet me at Home Depot, bring them back, and put them where they were supposed to go. And, and hours later, he was still here because he just had to get it prepped and all ready to go. I deeply appreciate that. He went above and beyond. But we were, at, we were looking at some plants, and there was one. He said, man, you know, i would be great to have those. He said, but the, the deer will just destroy them. There's nothing to guard them. The bottom line is this, folks. As consciously as we may be aware, Solomon said this. I I don't remember when I first heard this verse. It was in my teen years and somehow it stuck. And it has been one of my, my mantras, I think is the right word. One of my mantras my entire life since my teen years He said, guard your heart because out of it are the issues of life. We sit around sometimes blown away what's going on in our lives, what's coming out of our mouths, what's rolling around in our brains, and it's a simple thing. It's what's in your heart. Guard your heart because out of it are the issues of life. Guard the garden. Keep stuff out protect what is there do nothing go through the motions in your walk with god that's where you're heading you want to be a fruitful garden you want to be a beautiful place you got to work at it wait a minute brother i gotta work at it you gotta work at it yes well i thought you said everything we needed was it is but i gotta let it not work at it in the sense of producing it, work at it more so in the sense of fighting off those things that want to stop it. I don't I don't know why. I, I I I may Brother Ellenborg, I may need to come to celebrate recovery. I I, I, I wish I, I we walk, we've got a we've been blessed, the neighborhood we live in is it's a lovely neighborhood very peaceful community and and basically it's got a loop uh the neighbor and then there's a road that kind of splits it's great for walking it's right about two miles for the loop and so uh, we try to walk it at least several times a week and i'm i gotta tell you there's a couple of houses we we walk by sometimes and i'm like i wish i could be those people Their yards look horrible. We've got we've got pea gravel for our for our driveway, and there's several there's a number of houses in our neighborhood. I I, I get these little sprouts of weeds or grass that got in the gravel and starts. I got to go get my weed killer. I can't sleep until I've sprayed it. I walk by these houses. And there's the gravel for the driveway, and it's almost as green as the grass. And I'm like, I don't know why I care about my lawn. Why can't I be those other people? Because it's a lot easier. You just do nothing. That's why it's so, again, I don't mean to keep coming back, but that's why it's so easy for those that have been walking with God to to stop because there is this sense of relief. I just give in because the problem is, here's the problem. I'm I'm, I'm quitting. When When I give in to the Spirit... The carnal man doesn't just give up. In fact, I don't know about you, but some of the times when I'm especially trying to get over a hump, giving into the spirit, the flesh fights even harder. It's that. It's that. You know, whatever. old, I. I, I funny. That's not the word I'm looking for, but. I, I, I know others that do it. Timothy, I, he does the same thing. I know others that do it. Give me a normal day. I won't even think about eating till I I'll sit down to dinner. I'm like, what? I never even ate today. Never even thought. I got so I was so busy doing this and that. I never even ate. Never even thought about eating. But you just decide. I'm gonna fast tomorrow. I promise you, you won't even be able to get out of the bed in the morning because you are so famished and in need of food. Go all day, not think twice about it. You, you can't, oh, I'm so hungry. Why? Because that carnal man doesn't want to die. So he fights when you're trying to give in and let the Spirit have its way. The carnal man is rearing its ugly head. But here's the problem, at least the way I see it, at least the way I have understand it, and I would say at least the way I've experienced it. When you choose to yield to your carnal man, it's not the same thing not saying the Spirit doesn't try. I'm not saying there's not conviction. I'm not saying there's not that gentle voice of the Lord. But it's not the same as the flesh. He doesn't start screaming and kicking and squealing. So, I try to do what I should do, want to do. I don't do it. I fail. And it's this struggle. I decide to give in and there's a relief. Again, I, I know the spirit keeps working and challenging, and all, but but there's a relief. We are living in this transition from the first Adam to the second Adam. It is an ongoing transition. God is sovereign, right? He can, this is not a trick question. Tomorrow night and Saturday night, I remind you, do not answer any questions until everybody else has and confirmed or denied. I can always put my hand up after we found out it wasn't a trick. We believe God's sovereign. We know God is sovereign confident that God is, is sovereign. So he could, have, he could have created all this any way he wanted to, however he wanted to create it. Meaning, is there a reason why, if he, ch- if he had chosen, is there a reason why he could not have created us that the older we get, the stronger we get until the end? That as long as we're alive, long as we're breathing, we're getting, we can get stronger, we can get healthier, we can get more fit. I don't care how much you try to exercise and work out. However, if you're ninety years old, you're ninety years old. You can't do what you used to do. You can't do it the way you used to do, used to do it. I see some, I see some guys at the Y. They, they look like they're probably in their seventies, eighties. 70 doesn't feel very old anymore now that my dad's in his 70s. so I, in, in one sense, it's man, I'm like, man, I want to be that guy. When I'm 80 years old, I want to be that guy at the gym Five pounds. He's there. Kudos to him. he's there. The bottom line is our our life is like a college class at exams. We've got the bell curve. At some point we peak, and we start down the other side. God could have, in His sovereignty, again decided that from beginning. I mean, we try to do that. We we nip it, we tuck it, we we inject it, we eat it, we try to do everything fountain of youth doesn't work and I believe this is no awesome, profound, deep revelation you probably already have it but I believe God intentionally did it that way so for those of us that may live a typically lengthy life give or take, whatever that is as we are reaching the end, the more we have a physical reminder, I can't do this by myself. I've said this before. I'm sure I'll say it again in the future, but one of the most sobering moments in all of my years of pastoring was several years ago sitting in my grandmother's living room in her late 80s at the time, living for God since she was 14, I think, preacher for decades, powerful woman of prayer, to this day a woman of prayer. And I sat across from her in her living room, and she said, I can't think of anybody else in this world that I would trust more to pastor me in my final years to make sure that I was prepared for heaven. I'm thinking, I kind of felt like John the Baptist (laughs) with Jesus. I don't need to be baptizing you, you. I don't need to be pastoring you. I need you pastoring me. The most sobering part of that was the trust and confidence that she was placing in me. But the other side of that was the fact that looking at this godly woman who has lived her life dedicated to God... the great majority of her life if she is of the opinion that at the end I can't just take it for granted I'm just sliding into glory what do I need to do how do I need to approach my life I'm thankful for everything God's provided grace, life Lord willing, next week, it's, it's, there's a lot of wonderful things. But I don't think I should ever discount the fact that as much as God has provided everything, I've still got to be mindful. There is this conflict. There will be this conflict. every day we 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 sung the song at times through the years one day jesus will call my name as the days go by i hope i don't stay the same i want to get so close that it's no big change on the day that jesus calls my name here's the good news and I'm quitting quitting now you don't know that day we think and I think there's a good chance there are people in this room that will live to see the rapture if the timing is at all what we think it is But the bottom line is this you and I do not know the day of the rapture and then the other one we don't know is if we don't know, make the rapture, we don't know the day of our death. It is appointed unto man once to die. God knows that day, that time, that place, what's going to cause it all. It's not, nothing takes your life. COVID doesn't, it, if, you, if somebody passed away from COVID before they were ever born, God decided it's going to be COVID. COVID didn't take them. But here's the deal. I don't know that day, rapture or death, but he does. So here's my responsibility, is to let that hope that is in me work because he knows how much time he has to work with. So he knows the day that I need to be like him. In the meantime, I've got to let him and the things he's provided for me work. Father, I ask you again this evening your word would settle into our hearts, our minds, our spirits. Oh, God, I pray. I pray, God. Please, Lord, don't let this just be words that have taken up time in an evening. Don't let this just be a weekly norm that we sit and listen to something that has to do with your word. But let it be... Let it be words that are seeds that settle into our hearts, that produce in our lives. Let understanding, revelation come to us, God. Lord, I pray. I pray, God, that by your grace, as mindful, as conscientious as we may be of the fact we've got these opposing natures, that will continue to oppose each other until the day of our death or the day of rapture, let hope and confidence and trust in you, in your spirit, in the things that you have provided for us to overcome, let that overpower every spirit of discouragement, every spirit of despair, every spirit of hopelessness, that would war against our minds. We are, we will be more than conquerors. We may be living in a conflict, but we have the promise that if we will allow you to work in us and through us, we will be victorious. Thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, Amen.